This is the Biz News Podcast, one-on-one conversations with experts in business and personal development. For four decades, Alicia Shapiro has been part of the artistic scene in Los Angeles, creating what he calls conceptual art that explores modern mass media, beliefs, and the very nature of art. And for the past 20 years, he's spearheaded the annual Nihilist Film Festival. Mr. Shapiro joins us on this Biz News podcast to talk about the entertainment business from a decidedly different perspective. Well, let's uh, kind of set the uh, table for our listeners and our, our viewers by having you give them a kind of the elevator pitch of who you are and how you got here. Okay, <laughs> um, I, I am a uh, weird conceptual artist. Uh, and I know that's an odd kind of artist to call yourself. <laughs> but, I, uh, but yes, over the last 40 years or so, I've been kind of staging these public events just so I can kind of like get, you know, my, my worldview artistic ideas out there. So now you are the author of a new book called L a freak F R E A K. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And uh, I was looking up how many books do you suppose have been written about Hollywood? Amazon itself lists more than 10,000 at least according to its data, we didn't physically count them, but we'll trust them done that. So yeah. how is your book different from the other 10,010? Okay, well, um, it's kind of from the point of view of, well, it's, it's funny. And, you know, living in this town, you, you bump into people who are famous and glamorous. And to me, that was a funny thing because I didn't really want to be a famous movie star like, like some of my friends did. So I kind of am approaching it kind of from a humorous point of view, and uh, which I think might be different than a lot of those books who, who kind of really think that there is glamor here, but I think it's silly. Now, if somebody picks up a book uh, in the library or bookstore, whatever, about Hollywood, and they're living in Youngstown, Ohio, and they've never been west of Indianapolis, they uh -huh. finally come out to Hollywood, there's often a bit of a letdown, isn't there? Yeah, I don't know. I guess there's always, I think that's life, right? Like you always expect something big and exciting to happen, and um, <laughs> in my point of view, Sometimes that does, but it's not what you expect. And, or, but often you don't get what the big exciting thing that you're looking for. And uh, just, I think the fact that we expect life to be somehow bigger than, than it is, I think is, um, I don't know, it's, it's something we can laugh at. Well, how did you uh, get your start here? Where did you come from? Born in Los Angeles, a native of the city? No, I was born in Buffalo, New York. Let's see, my family moved to Riverside. I don't know whether anyone has heard of Riverside, California, but it's a um, kind of a crappy little town over 60 miles that way. I think the Chamber of Commerce is calling you right now. 
it's, it's like mainly orange groves. Out of that, when I was growing up, that's what it was. It might it might have developed into something different by now, but that was in, you know in the fifties and sixties. It was just a I I don't know if I can swear on your show, but you you can say whatever <laughs> you'd like to say. <laughs> but always reminded me of that. <laughs> we we may beep that. <laughs> But it was, you know, it was a little town. And so that I grew up with that and moved to L.A. Um, when I was like, what, sixth grade. How old are you then? Ten, maybe. So so I came here then and I, you know, just, I mean, you know, my parents weren't in showbiz. They were my father was a scientist or a physicist. So I just kind of. But we ended up in neighborhoods where, you know, sometimes big name people lived. So yes, we had a house in Rivers in Pacific Palisades, and at the time Ronald Reagan lived somewhere between me and the school I went to. I guess that would be a, a pointing you towards a political career, if not one in entertainment. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so so I was I was surrounded by this stuff. And to me, um, just because I'm a freak, as the book says, um, I, I think it's more normal to be impressed by such things. And for some reason, I just thought it was silly. You call yourself a freak. Uh, but what do you really mean by that description? Um, you look kind of normal to us. Yes, I am. I am so normal. Um, I it just, I mean, it, I, I'm comparing myself to the people who want to be a movie star or think of the glamour. So, so growing up in this town and just not caring a bit about that and think it's silly, that's what I mean by being a freak. So, and I'm freakish in other ways. I mean, just the the art I make is kind of challenging and, you know, makes people hopefully think, what is he up to? Why is he doing that? Um, so stuff like that. But um, so, yeah, I thought it was funny. I don't know that, you know, it just came to me and I didn't include it in the book, um, so, but maybe I have to add it. I don't know if you ever you knew the movie Freaks. It was a 1935 movie. Um, made i can't remember but i just remember when i was in high school because i went to ended up going to some artsy high school and like my friends like all wanted to be underground filmmakers and so like my friend said let's go see this movie it's amazing so we went to see it and there's a point in the movie where the the circus freaks accept the, an outsider as one of them i don't know if you remember the scene but they they're sitting at a table and, you know, there are all these strange looking humans and they start singing, we accept you, we accept you, one of us, one of us. And the uh, person that they are accepting is horrified that they should think she was one of them because she doesn't want to be a freak. <laughs> anyway, we loved that. We just thought because we felt like somehow it reflected on us. We were like that. You, you were almost like an early stage geek in a way from your description. <laughs> yeah, I, well, at least at least my best friends at the high school were, were certainly stage geeks. Now, you have also put together an annual film festival. 
Uh, yeah. We are uh, recording this on December 16th before the one airs for this year. But would you tell us about what you hope to see coming up in a few days as if it were in the past tense? Does that make any sense? <laughs> yes. Yes. On this Saturday, uh, I'm presenting the 22nd, maybe, Nihilist Film Festival. And it's really fun. And um, uh, actually, in last year and then this year, it's going to be on online instead of in a cool little art space in Los Angeles just because of COVID. Um, so all of your people can go watch it if, if this comes out before the 18th or even the, the week after. Um, anyway, so it's going to be on Vimeo. And it's, you know, I um, just because of the internet and technology and stuff, it's kind of changed over the years. It used to be people would make films on Super 8, and they would get them to me, or they'd like be on three quarter inch video. Um, but now I can do this all on, on the, the web. On some there's some websites where filmmakers can submit their films to film festivals, and so I got like 160 submissions from all over the world, and um, I watched them all and picked the freakiest of the, um, uh, and so I have like two hours of films from all over the world, and they're they're funny and weird, and um, they're short films, and it's just a real fun show. Uh, how has Hollywood changed over the years uh, from the time you were a teenager there to where you are now? You still live right there. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I mean, I make fun of a lot of things about Los Angeles, but I, I really love living here. I would, it'd be really hard for me to live someplace else. I think I lived in New Orleans for like nine months and I lived in Northern California for a couple of years for college, but I still, I love this town and kind of, and, and some of it's about, and that's in the book too, about, you know, besides the glamorous Hollywood and Hollywood Boulevard with stars on it like that one, I took a picture of um, on my book cover. Um, there's kind of, real artists and underground comedians. And there's a thing called alt comedy, which is alternative comedy, which is, and there's a lot of really creative people. That, and so I can get up at like, get hop in my car and go see a midnight comedy show, at least before COVID. Uh, and there'd be all these wonderful people who I loved performing. Um, you know, most, most nights of the week, I could go catch a midnight comedy show or a, a storytelling show or a art show, a performance art show. And there's a, you know, that made me, you know, uh, so those are people more like me uh, and they are doing things, I don't know. Um, I guess I, just, uh, just as an example, um, there was a thing, cause I mean, I grew up around people who, some of them wanted to be like famous com comedians and there was a formula there is still a formula. If you perform in a um, in a comedy club, a, a normal comedy club, you know there's so many so many laughs per minute, and like um, and people and it's there's no like bigger context. You're not really and and so it's it's kind of like the comedy you see on TV where a comedian gets up and tells joke 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 joke. Thank you very much. Tip your waitress, and then they're off, and that's the joke. Um, and we call 
those, um, I mean, it's like dick jokes. And uh, <laughs> so it's like dick joke, dick joke, dick joke. Thank you very much. And that's, that's the formula for a successful comedian. So I see comedians at my weird shows in the middle of the night who are like doing completely weird stuff, doing these weird characters like, you know, Bobcat Goldthwait did, if anyone remembers. Um, uh, anyway, so they're really doing much more creative stuff. And it just makes me, you know, and they're breaking out of that formula of joke, joke, joke. Um, and so I talk about those guys in my book too, about, about that there is another LA that um, where there are really creative people doing wonderful stuff. It's funny, uh, some of them every now and then, I mean, I don't think they're mainly doing it to become stars, but several of them, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, uh, Rachel Gold, <laughs> Rachel Bloom, uh, who, who did the show, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, just I remember her from 10, 15 years ago performing in some tiny little club called Upright Citizens Brigade uh, at midnight. And she'd get out her little guitar and sing these crazy, funny songs. Um, and I don't know. So somehow, I guess, living here, somebody said, oh, we should stick her in a, this TV show or make a TV show about that. So um, some of them did end up on TV and I get to watch them. But most of them are still doing their crazy comedy and the midnight shows all around town. And so there's some of that. What do you suppose is the uh, uh, secret to breaking through? If you have so many fish in the pond, how do you become the star fish? <laughs> well, you know, most of it's dumb luck. Um, a lot of it is. I mean, there's a lot of very talented people out there. And I don't think the most talented of them are the ones that we end up seeing on the walk on the gold carpet or whatever it is. Um, and so I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, a lot of it is, is dumb luck. And a lot of the people who end up being famous aren't the people I'd pick. Um, but uh, there are a handful. I do see some of my, some of the people I love kind of, maybe they're, a lot of them are doing voices for cartoons or they're writing for this show or that show or they're, um, they're not famous, but I see their names and I say, oh, I remember that, that his show or her show. Um, so people are taking advantage of their creativity. So that's good. Um, but yeah, so there are not too many Rachel Blooms out there. Um, I don't know if you, I remember her singing a song called me Ray Bradbury, um, which was hilarious, where she's just like the character of a nerdy high school girl, which is not too much different than her TV personality. Um, and she's just like, uh, she, oh, I, we, I read this book, and now I love that guy, and I want him to be my boyfriend. And of course, anyway, so that makes me, I remember fondly those kinds of songs from her. You, you, obvious, you obviously love where you live and where you have grown up and, and, and where you have prospered. What do you see as uh, uh, an insider who's also an outsider, I guess, 
for the future of the Hollywood entertainment industry in light of all the streaming services that have popped up? You know, I think that might be why some of the some of these more alternative comedians or perform artists are, you know, finding some kind of platform to, to, you know, I, it's good that somehow the monopoly of Hollywood is being broken up a bit. Um, so I, you know, I see positive things about that. Um, there's so, yeah, so many, you know, between Netflix and uh, all these other places, they're hiring people to make shows for them and they might last a little bit or they might last a long time. But yeah, there's a lot more a need for programming. Um, I don't know, I'm not really an expert in that stuff, but I don't know, I was uh, one of my old friends well, you know, kind of was trying to do that before there was all these streaming services. He said, oh, I'll make my own special. And he <laughs> took money out of his pocket and made, made some kind of fun hour special. And there was no place to show it at the time. So that didn't work so good, but <laughs> it was a fun special. Well, perhaps one of these days we'll see uh, the Shapiro streaming channel. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not quite sure, but uh, what I do, I, I, the podcasts do sound fun. I, I used to have this like uh, public access cable TV show. Oh, dear. Uh, well, we hope they're better than that. <laughs> right. So that, that's what I'm used to. So, um, so I did, did enjoy sitting around talking with people who had different views than me or similar views or whatever. So I do remember what that was like. So podcasts sound like they fit more of that structure. What would you like to uh, talk about that we haven't had a chance to uh, bring up? Yeah, I do. I mean, you can tell I love this town. Um, so when I talk about making fun of it, that it's one part of it I, I make fun of, not, not my part. <laughs> well, one last thing, if you don't mind, you must have a website. Would you tell our listeners and viewers what that is? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's called Nihilist's Corner. And it's uh, the website's nihilistswithness.net. And it's got, you know, uh, over the years, you know, it's got the, you know, the calendar I make and the book and the film festival and, and also people writing in comments, a lot of people saying, you know, oh, you're crazy nihilist or you're, what's wrong with you? Or, and then sometimes I answer and sometimes I don't. And, it's got a list of all the guests I had on my TV show and I don't know anything else, just a list of the art stuff I did. So yeah, um, you know, I, um, I, I guess the, the, I don't know if anyone remembers, but one of the first big art piece I did was the 1984 Nihilist Olympics. Um, so I talk about that in there a little bit, but um, in 1984, the, regular Olympics were coming to LA. And so me and my friends were making fun of that and coming up with funny alternative Olympic events. And uh, so I know the Olympics are coming back to LA, I hear. So I don't know what's gonna happen there, but we had really fun Olympic events like the U-turn competition. Uh, and there'd be judges standing on a corner and people would be making U-turns and we'd hold up their scores. Um, 
and uh, if you go to my YouTube channel, there's a video of a lot of those crazy events. Um, anyway, so yeah, so that was like the first time I kind of thought, gee, I, I can use the media as a little platform to say, okay, this is something everyone's like going crazy about the Olympics. Here's a, my, my attempt to make fun of that. And so we really had a lot of fun. A lot of people in LA had participated in the Nihilist Olympics and the, 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 the decathlon of housework and the, uh, uh, I don't know, there were, but the projectile vomiting marathon and uh, anyway, a bunch of funny things that we did. Um, so that was like my first idea of, oh, I can do a different kind of art it's not like a painting, but it's like presenting weird imagery and weird ideas to people through the media. And I guess I, I was, you know, growing up here, especially, but everywhere, the media is like, you know, controls our minds. Um, and somehow we're, because, you know, humans are like tribe, tribal people, we want to fit in. And this, you know, the media tells us this is right and this is wrong and this is what you should believe in. And um, so I, the idea of my Niels Olympics sitting in the LA Times right next to a normal article just made me feel like, okay, now I've, now I've got something going. And so I did that for a few things. I, I had my political campaigns um, that I got to do the same thing where I'd make fun of the running for president or whatever. Um, so it was just, you know, that might have been influenced by growing up here also, just the idea of media being so central. And, you know, television was sent at the time, was centered in LA, and that was like uh, I, LA and New York. But I was, <laughs> anyway, so that was kind of, I guess, part of the book too, but also part of, you know, my being influenced by, by all that stuff. You've been watching the Biz News Podcast. We welcome your input. Send your email to editor at biznews.com. Thanks for watching.